It appears that the big lie is no longer on the retreat among Republicans, but instead is spreading like a cancer. Far be it from me to tell House Republicans who should lead them, but it's truly a dangerous, dangerous sign of our times that the price of admission in today's Republican Party is silence in the face of provable lies. Well, he's right about that. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why I came here. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it is not right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast, as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in L.A., also in Red Bluff and Redding, California, on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me, from bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us today. Well, according to the Washington Post today, more than 100 Republicans, including some former elected officials, are preparing to release a letter this week threatening to form a third party if the Republican Party does not make certain changes, according to an organizer of the effort. Yeah, maybe they would have more luck if they tried a ransomware attack. Just saying, (laughs) just saying. Hi, Desi Doyen. Hello, sad but true. The uh, statement is expected to take aim at former President Donald Trump's stranglehold on Republicans, which signatories to the document have deemed unconscionable. Quote, when in our democratic republic forces of conspiracy, division and despotism arise, it is the patriotic duty of citizens to act collectively in defense of liberty and justice, reads the preamble to the full statement, which is uh, expected to be released in full on Thursday. This is a first step, said Miles Taylor. He's an or- he's the organizer of this effort. He's the former Trump-era Department of Homeland Security official, who you may recall that an- anonymously wrote a book using the author name Anonymous. Remember him? Oh, yes. Uh, he condemned the Trump administration. And last October, Taylor acknowledged that, yes, he was, in fact, anonymous and the author of both the book 
and the 2018 New York Times op-ed article, uh, also bylined by Anonymous, that freaked out the uh, Trump administration like crazy that year. This is us saying that a group of more than 100 prominent Republicans think that the situation has gotten so dire with the Republican Party that it is now time to seriously consider whether an alternative might be the only option, Taylor said. Uh, The list of people signing on this uh, statement include former officials at both the state and national level who were once uh, once were governors, members of Congress, ambassadors, cabinet secretaries, state legislators and Republican Party chairmen, according to Washington Post. Uh, Taylor declined to name the signers, but Reuters reported earlier that the former governors Tom Ridge of Pennsylvania And Christine Todd Whitman of New Jersey will be uh, uh, signatories. Also, a former Transportation Secretary Mary Peters, former Congressman Charlie Dent of Pennsylvania, Barbara, uh, uh, also a Congress member, Barbara Comstock of Virginia, Reed Ribble of Wisconsin, Mickey Edwards of Oklahoma. Taylor declined to reveal the specific changes that the coalition was planning to demand of the Republican Party in the statement. Not that I suspect the off the rails party will actually care about any of them at this point. Nonetheless, Taylor said, I am still a Republican, but I'm hanging on by the skin of my teeth because how quickly the party has divorced itself from truth and reason. He said, I'm one of those in the group that feels very strongly that if we can't get the GOP back to a rational party that supports free minds, free markets and free people, I'm out And a lot of people are coming with me, he said. Well, I I hope you plan well, and I I do hope you create a third-party alternative that siphons votes from the crazy, no longer anywhere near in touch with reality, unfortunately, uh, uh, GOP. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Perhaps uh, also, unfortunately, the fact that we have to talk about it. Yes. But we will speak with the great Heather Digby Parton. She'll be joining us shortly. Uh, as as all of this is, of course, much more her beat than mine. She writes about this a lot over at Salon and at her own blog uh, these days. And while I have I have been, I got to say, I've been following all of this closely, but I haven't talked about it on the program over the past week or so for a number of reasons that maybe we'll discuss with uh, with Heather shortly. But on uh, on Wednesday, as you have likely heard by now, Liz Cheney, daughter of Dick, was voted out of her position as conference chair. That's the third highest position in GOP leadership in the U.S. House because she refuses to go along with the big lie, Donald Trump's big lie that the election was stolen from him, from the disgraced loser ex-president of ours. As AP describes it today, House Republicans ousted Rep. Liz Cheney from her post as the chamber's number three GOP leader on Wednesday, punishing her after she repeatedly rebuked former President Donald Trump for his false claims of election fraud and his role in inciting the January 6th Capitol attack. Meeting behind closed doors for less than 20 minutes, GOP lawmakers used a voice vote because they are cowards. To remove the Wyoming congresswoman from her leadership post, the the latest evidence that challenging Trump can be career-threatening for a Republican, even one from party royalty, which the Cheney family 
uh, certainly is, having been in some form of a leadership role in the Republican Party going all the way back to the 1970s. But before we get to today's proceedings on that and her ouster, uh, shortly after we got off air on uh, on Tuesday night in advance of the caucus vote in the House on Wednesday morning, Liz Cheney took to the House floor to make it clear she was not going to be cowed, that she was not going to back down uh, from standing, at least in this case, let me be clear, only in this case. <laughs> Very important to make that clear. Uh, standing uh, for truth and facts. Our freedom only survives if we protect it, if we honor our oath taken before God in this chamber to support and defend the Constitution if we recognize threats to freedom when they arise. Today, we face a threat America has never seen before. A former president who provoked a violent attack on this Capitol in an effort to steal the election has resumed his aggressive effort to convince Americans that the election was stolen from him. He risks inciting further violence. Millions of Americans have been misled by the former president. They have heard only his words, but not the truth, as he continues to undermine our democratic process, sowing seeds of doubt about whether democracy really works at all. I am a conservative Republican, and the most conservative of conservative principles is reverence for the rule of law. The Electoral College has voted. More than 60 state and federal courts including multiple judges the former president appointed, have rejected his claims. The Trump Department of Justice investigated the former president's claims of widespread fraud and found no evidence to support them. The election is over. That is the rule of law. That is our constitutional process. Those who refuse to accept the rulings of our courts are at war with the Constitution. Our duty is clear. Every one of us who has sworn the oath must act to prevent the unraveling of our democracy. This is not about policy. This is not about partisanship. This is about our duty as Americans. Remaining silent and ignoring the lie emboldens the liar. I will not participate in that. I will not sit back and watch in silence while others lead our party down a path that abandons the rule of law and joins the former president's crusade to undermine our democracy. As the party of Reagan, Republicans have championed democracy, won the Cold War, and defeated the Soviet communists. Today, America is on the cusp of another Cold War, this time with communist China. Attacks against our democratic process and the rule of law empower our adversaries and feed communist propaganda that American democracy is a failure. We must speak the truth. Our election was not stolen and America has not failed. I received a message last week from a Gold Star father who said standing up for the truth honors all who gave all. We must all strive to be worthy of the sacrifice of those who have died for our freedom. They are the patriots Catherine Lee Bates described in the words of America the Beautiful when she wrote, O beautiful for heroes proved, 
in liberating strife, who more than self their country loved, and mercy more than life. Ultimately, Mr. Speaker, this is at the heart of what our oath requires, that we love our country more, that we love her so much that we will stand above politics to defend her, that we will do everything in our power to protect our Constitution and our freedom that has been paid for by the blood of so many. We must love America so much that we will never yield in her defense. That is our duty. Thank you. That was longtime far-right conservative Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney, daughter of Dick, on the House floor on Tuesday night, making clear she was not backing down on the eve of a vote to remove her from her leadership position in the GOP House caucus. Uh, And today, she was, in fact, removed from that position. How it went down and what it all means and what it all doesn't mean, that's straight ahead with Heather Digby-Parton. She is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. Hey, this is Desi. The broadcast and the Green News Report survive thanks to you and your support. Please drop by bradblog.com slash donate today to help us stay independent every day over your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thanks. Yes, we are. Welcome back. To the Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Weeks of drama over the GOP backlash that Wyoming Congresswoman Liz Cheney, daughter of Dick, was receiving for refusing to endorse former President Trump's lies about the election came to a head in a very brief private House Republican conference meeting on Wednesday morning, during which she was removed from GOP leadership. Within 15 minutes or so of when the meeting started, Cheney was voted out of her position as Republican Conference Chair, the third-ranking leadership role. The ouster was performed via a voice vote and a request that it be followed up with a recorded vote, but that was not accepted by the cowardly caucus, according to members who explained to reporters how all of this went down. The vote was overwhelming, said Ohio Congressman Jim Jordan. He said, you can't have a conference chair who recites Democratic talking points. I guess Jordan was referring to Democratic talking points like those that Liz Cheney included in a recent op-ed last week at Washington Post in which she warned the, quote, the GOP is at a turning point while making her case for telling the truth about Trump having lost the presidency, that President Biden is the legitimate president and that Donald Trump is not, and that Attacking the U.S. Capitol in a deadly insurrection is not actually a good thing for this country or her party. You know, Democratic talking points. Also, in that same op-ed, by the way, she noted that, quote, the Black Lives Matter and Antifa violence of last summer was illegal and reprehensible. That, quote, prosperity and opportunity is brought by low taxes and fiscally conservative policies 
while railing against the, quote, ridiculous wokeness of our political rivals, irrational policies at the border, and runaway spending that threatens a return to the catastrophic inflation of the 1970s. Again, you know, Democratic talking points. Participants in the vote, as AP reports, said that Cheney received a polite standing ovation after her remarks inside Wednesday's meetings. Uh, meeting. Leaders opted against a recorded vote, and, but she had to endure what uh, Congressman Byron Donalds of Florida said was a deafening voice vote to topple her. That came right after her remarks to the conference, during which she told colleagues that if, quote, they want leaders who will enable and spread Trump's destructive lies, I'm not your person. Cheney had withstood a February effort to boot her from her leadership position in a 145 to 61 vote. That was a secret ballot with a speech from Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy on her behalf, credited with saving her at the time, but that did not happen this time. Neither did the secret ballot when members could have voted their conscience. Neither did a recorded vote when members might have actually been held accountable one way or another for how they voted. Now, of course, they are free to lie about how they voted because now freedom to be a liar has become one of the top values, apparently, for the once grand old party. After the voice vote, Cheney came out to the stakeout cameras to speak to media. We uh, uh, have had the, the conference meeting. Uh, I uh, am absolutely committed, as I said last night, uh, as, as I said just now to my colleagues, uh, that we must go forward uh, based on truth. We cannot both uh, embrace the big lie and embrace the Constitution. Going forward, uh, the nation needs it. The nation needs a strong Republican Party. Uh, the nation needs a party that, uh, that is based upon fundamental principles of conservatism. And I am committed and dedicated to ensuring uh, that that's how this party goes forward, and I plan to lead the fight to do that. Uh, I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. We have seen the danger uh, that he continues to provoke with his language. Uh, we have seen his lack of commitment and dedication to the Constitution, uh, and I think it's very important that we make sure whomever we elect is somebody who will be faithful to the Constitution. Wow. What, do you feel betrayed by today's vote? I do not. I think that uh, it is uh, an indication of where the Republican Party is, uh, and I think that the party uh, is in a place that we've got to bring it back from, and we've got to get back to a position where uh, we are a party that can fight for conservative principles, that can fight for substance. We cannot be dragged backward uh, by uh, the very dangerous lies of a former president. That was Liz Cheney after being voted out of her uh, leadership role as the uh, third most powerful Republican in the U.S. House, calling for moving forward based on truth. Liberal. A vote on who will replace Cheney in conference leadership will happen on Friday. The lead contender and perhaps the only contender right now is Congresswoman Elise Stefanik, a young New York congresswoman. She once had a reputation as a moderate, according to TPM. She even at one point co-chaired the House Republican centrist group called the Tuesday Group. But she has burnished her credentials as a strident Trump defender at this point. 
a turn that she took during the first impeachment proceeding. Nonetheless, while Liz Cheney's record of voting with Trump is 93 percent, Stefanik, who voted against the Trump GOP tax cuts, for example, and many other GOP initiatives, she's only at a 77 percent record of voting with Trump. But while she may have a record of voting against Trump and Republican policies, apparently policies no longer matter. Only a willingness to support the big lie of the dear leader is all that matters, at least as far as what I read is going on. Joining us now is someone who has been reading all of this much closer than I, I suspect, covering the past tumultuous week or three on this beat over at Salon and at her own blog, Digby's Hullabaloo. That would be the Sidney Hillman Prize winner for opinion and analysis journalism, Heather Digby-Parton, who joins us again today to... Help us make sense of this latest madness. Oh, Heather, welcome back to the broadcast. Thank you for having me. So, yeah, uh, 10 years ago, Heather, if one of us had said to the other that we would be on the radio and sort of kind of defending Liz Cheney, Liz Cheney, uh, I suspect one or the other of us would have probably called the mental hospital for an intervention or something. Uh, it sort of does kind of feel like we are running with the devil today, Heather. Well, I was impressed with the song that you chose because it really <laughs> does. It really, really does fit the moment. Uh, in fact, it may be the soundtrack for our lives for the next few yeah, months. Right? Um, yeah, I mean, it, obviously, uh, you know, Liz Cheney is somebody, and it's uh, that that you know we've always sort of seen as as the <clears throat> you know most far right, warmongering, you know, hardcore mm -hmm. right wing, you know, activist conservative that you could possibly have. I mean, nobody gets to the right of Liz Cheney. I, I just don't yeah. think it even exists, anything to the right. I mean, you come all the way around to the left, yeah. which is where we are now, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, but you know, it, it does appear yeah. that Liz, um, it, there, there's two, there are two sides to this. I mean, I've been writing about this for a while. It's kind of funny to me that this week people are starting to catch up to it. Kind right. of, hey, maybe Liz Cheney has a political angle on this. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. I mean, I've been saying this for a while. You know, Cheney, I think she probably does believe what she's saying. There are a lot of Republicans, a lot of people who believe what she's saying. They know that this whole, you know, uh, stolen election, big lie, is is ridiculous. They were appalled by the assault on the Capitol on January 6th, and they were generally appalled by Donald Trump. You know, this is this is not you know, a completely unheard of position for a, for even a right-wing Republican. I mean, we see people like, you know, Bill Kristol saying that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so this is not that uh, uh, surprising. Mm -hmm. It's just surprising for an elected Republican official to do that at this stage. Yeah. And, and the reason that I think, you know, it's important, and I, in fact, I had this as a, as a conversation with a member of my family who's conservative, and who really likes Liz Cheney. Mm -hmm. And I was defending her and saying, you know, look, she's right in this situation. And they're going, well, that makes me think twice. And I said, look, don't get me wrong. <laughs> I disagree with her on everything. You can relax. <laughs> she's right. as far right as it gets. And if she runs for office, I will be the first one in line to oppose her. Yeah. But this is not really a partisan issue, or it shouldn't be, it's because this is really an assault on our democratic process. And if we get to a point where one of the parties refuses to accept the results of elections if they lose, which is something Donald Trump said outright going all the way back in 2016, if you recall. He got up and said, I will acknowledge the results of the elections 
if I, if I win. win. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, he made it clear where he stood. And now that's become sort of a, you know, this has become a, an article of faith in, in the Republican Party. When that happens, we have a big problem. So I welcome Liz Cheney into the fold of, you know, people who believe in the Constitution. Well, and that <laughs> is where, you know, I, I've, I sort of, I've been watching this story actually pretty closely for the last week or two, but I haven't discussed it on the show at all because... Uh, well, to be frank, uh, you know, while Cheney is, is is right to stand up against the big lie, and I do applaud her for that, she is still, as I noted in the intro there, and as you note, Heather, uh, she's a dyed-in-the-wool, hardcore, far-right Republican with terrible and dangerous policies. But she is, A, not insane. She is, B, right to stand up for telling the truth and, and stand against bullying. But, you know, I've had sort of a hard time convincing myself to find the time to make that distinction <laughs> with so much else that is going on. And because I'm not, you know, all that interested also in covering internecine GOP caucus politics. Right. But uh, and this is my final but here. This really does feel like an inflection point for the Republican Party. So this seems larger than just internecine bickering uh, among the party. It seems like we may look back on this moment as a moment when something really did change within the party. Uh, am I right? I, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> it is, you know, there are, I mean, I've thought there were inflection points before and mm -hmm. there weren't. So, uh, you know, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not really sure of myself in making those kinds of predictions. I will say this, though. Look, uh -huh. the, the, the thing about Liz Cheney to remember and the way to sort of, um, you know, kind of explain this to yourself on how to live with these, this, <laughs> this contradiction in yes. your mind about this person this is a you know this is a political move on her part it's something that people are just starting to realize at some point you know she she was with trump through his entire term she voted for the first she voted against the first impeachment mm -hmm. you know she was not a person that was you know standing up and being a big anti trump person she made a few rumblings once in a while but certainly wasn't one mm -hmm. of those people when he lost mm -hmm. and she realized what he was doing she and I'm sure you know her father is her top advisor. Mm -hmm. So let's you know keep in mind Dick Cheney is working his will around this whole thing too. Yeah. They decided that this there was an opening at this moment for someone to be the face of the anti-Trump Republican, mm -hmm. and she was a good choice for doing it. The party is going to be looking for a woman nominee. Whether or not that nominee wins, I don't know. But there's definitely going to be, at some point, it may not be 2024, it may not be till 2028. I think Liz is only, like, 52, so she's got plenty of time. Right. And they, they are positioning her as the tough, real right-wing conservative who stood up to Donald Trump, and guess what? She's a woman, too. Yeah, and, you know, there's not going to be any saying Liz Cheney isn't tough enough to take on, you know, Vladimir Putin or Bin Laden. Yes, or I know. Oh, let so, me, let, actually, he, let, me, let me play a clip on, on this, because I, I wanted to ask you about this specific point. I know you wrote about it as well, and I think it's sort of part of, you know, making sure that uh, uh, Democrats, progressives, and so forth don't make a hero out no. of Liz Cheney. I mean, she she is right here on this very narrow point, you know, the point of you, you ought to tell the truth, at least about this. Uh, and she should be lauded for that. But, you know, that seems like a pathetically low bar. Nonetheless, 
Uh, Congressman uh, uh, Adam Kinsinger, a, a Republican from Illinois, uh, he's been outspoken as well against Trump's lies and the January 6th uh, MAGA mob insurrection. He said after today's caucus vote, Look, I stand with Liz. I'm proud of her. There's a lot of people that are proud of her for what she's done and a lot of people that feel threatened by her. And that's their decision. But going forward, I think she's going to be a great leader for this country and this party. That caught my ear. <laughs> going forward, she's going to be a great leader. So uh, what is the end game here? I mean, she doesn't seem to be upset about being ousted. She's doubling and tripling down against Trump. And Kinzinger suggests she's going to be a great leader for the party after she was just voted out of leadership. So is this all about, well, what's she up to? Is she running for president? Yes. That's it? Is that what <laughs> and she's doing? I thought doing? she was running for president long, but I wrote a piece like four years ago in yeah. which I said, forget Nikki Haley, the first woman nominee for the Republican Party will be Liz Cheney. Mm -hmm. She fits the mold much better than Nikki Haley does and will be, she is one tough customer. And, and they like that, right? I mean, they like people who are tough. Right. That's the whole Republican thing. And of course that's what she's doing. And she, whether or not she's making a bet on the next four years, she is making a bet. And I, it is surprising to me that none of the other Republicans, the ambitious opportunist types, mm -hmm. have seen this as a lane that was open for somebody and that it was mm -hmm. worthwhile to try and take the risk. It's mm -hmm. risky. Yep. Because, you know, Donald Trump could win in 2020. Mm -hmm. My God. Yep. I mean, we could, he could destroy the country. And, of course, you know, maybe then it's one of those things where, well, we've got bigger problems than my political career, you know, if, if Trump wins again. But if it, assuming that she's making the assumption that this is going to flame itself out, that this Trump cult is an ephemeral thing, that it's mm -hmm. not a lasting thing, that it's, you know, it's like one of many permutations of the right-wing conservative movement mm -hmm. base, from the Tea Party to the anti-communists, you know, I mean, this goes all the way back, and that this thing with Trump and the stolen mm -hmm. election, it's got the base really excited, and they really love it, but she's making a wager that that is not going to last, mm -hmm. and that the, if somehow or another it's going to fall apart, and she's going to be the one who can stand there and mm -hmm. go, look, I was the one who stood up. Mm -hmm. I was the one who did this. I was the one. Now, is that is that necessarily going to happen? I, you know, I, I have no idea. I'm right. skeptical, personally. I think the party has made the, you know, has, as Trump says, you know, gone around the curve or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, think, I think they've made that decision. But... I can totally understand why someone in her position would, and I think, you know, and that's not, I'm not even denigrating her real belief in this. I think she probably does believe that mm -hmm. Donald Trump is a menace. You know, I mean, you know, it, yeah. she's, like you said, she's not insane. Well, I, as a matter of fact, I think everybody in that caucus, for the most part, thinks Donald Trump yeah. is a menace. They just won't say it out loud. She's exactly. willing to. But, uh, you know, so is that part of, and, and I also talked about this uh, in, the, in the previous segment, uh, this effort now that we are seeing, and I'm not sure yet what to make of it, but, uh, you know, there's like a hundred former, and notice, please note, they're all former currently, like a hundred former uh, Republican uh, officials who are coming out and essentially threatening to start a third party. Uh, if the Republican Party doesn't get its act together. I see no reason why it's going to get its act together. So would she be uh, the leader, as Kitzinger said, of, of such an effort uh, to, to sort of start a, another, I don't know what to call it, conservative party? 
I really doubt it. I don't think this thing is going anywhere. And if really? it does, well, wake me when the bushes join up, okay? <laughs> well, okay. You know, okay. then I'll, I'll start to take seriously that they're mm-hmm. actually moving on this. All right, fair um, enough. You know, maybe, yeah. uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. But if it does, the, the problem here, and I certainly don't think Liz Cheney is going to, to join it, and mm-hmm. the reason being that I think her, she sees her mission as rescuing the Republican Party mm. Uh, from this, and I think she sees herself as a leader of, mm-hmm. of that tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but mm-hmm. who knows? I mean, who knows what's going to happen to her? I yeah. mean, maybe she'll lose her seat. Maybe she'll be so horrified by what they try to do to her that she decides she can't be a Republican anymore. Anything could happen. But honestly, I, I think that there's a danger in this group because it is not unlikely that some of those suburban um, college-educated voters that voted for Biden last time might be tempted by this, especially if they start getting antsy that, you know, oh, no inflation or some other nonsense. You know, those people are very tenuous mm. Democratic voters, but they are incredibly necessary mm. Democratic mm-hmm. voters. And they are still motivated much in sa- the same way that the, you know, the base of the Republicans are motivated by Trump. A lot of that group is very motivated by Trump as well and, and are mm-hmm. appalled by what's happening, that the party is, you know, still genuflecting to him that they're kicking out Liz Cheney, all that stuff. I don't think it's a good idea to give them somewhere else to go. I mean, I think they need to Mm. stick with the Democrats. And for their own good, I mean, uh, people will make that argument to them, but I just don't know if they'll listen. There is an argument that I see uh, that if you, uh, you know, split off a chunk of the Republican Party, yeah, it would be nice if they voted for Democrats, but if they don't vote for Republicans, it will make it very difficult for Republicans to win again if all they can rely on is that Trump base. But that's, I guess, the bet that uh, Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy is making. It, he had come out against Trump in the January 6th insurrection uh, in the days that followed that and, and in support of Cheney just, you know, about two or three months ago. Now he's flip-flopped. He's placed his bet on Donald Trump. Was that a good bet? Did he choose wisely, as they say in Indiana Jones? Well, I don't think so. <laughs> but, you know, I don't. They seem to have decided that, you know, it's Lindsey Graham is the guy who's saying it out loud, right? Yeah. Donald Trump's going to form a third party and mm-hmm. take half the party with him if he does that. I mean, that seems to be what they're really afraid of. That he's, and a lot of this has to do with money, too, right? I mean, Trump has the ability to raise a lot of money for people. And they are, you know, kind of getting squeezed a little bit for the moment by corporate America. Mm-hmm. So I think they're looking to Trump as being, you know, in, you know, intrinsic to their ability to gain power and, and maintain it. It has, you know, it's insane to me because he's dramatically unpopular. Uh, it, it seems hard to imagine, but when you look at what they're doing, you know this better than anybody. You're following the real story that's happening with all this, which is all these voting restrictions that mm-hmm. are happening around the country and the changes in laws that allow, mm-hmm. you know, state legislatures to come in and say, yep. nah, we don't really care for that result. We think we're going to yeah. change it. I yeah. mean, that's the kind of stuff that's really dangerous, and it's where the, where the real action is yep. on this Republican Party. And that's all driven by Trump pushing the grassroots, and they're pushing their people at the state and local level, and the state and local level people are pushing the national politicians. And, you know, I mean, this isn't just Trump, you know, making edicts. I mean, it, this is now... 
a full-blown organizing principle in the Republican Party, and they're fulfilling, you know, well, you know about this. I mean, these voting restrictions, there's not a lot new here. They've been wanting to do a lot of this stuff for a long time, and now they're even including the stuff that they used to want for their own voters in it just as a way of, I guess they just don't want anybody to Well, they're they're doubling down on the suppression. They don't have to worry about the Voting Rights Act for the most part anymore as of now, and we're heading into the first uh, redistricting cycle without that Voting Rights Act in place, so they can gerrymander the hell out of everything. They don't necessarily have to be popular to win, in uh, particularly in the U.S. House. That is a concern. Yeah, and that's something that uh, Senator Brian Schatz, a Democrat of Hawaii, mm-hmm. had said that uh, he noted the the increase in the voter suppression laws and the gerrymandering and the redistricting that meant that uh, Republicans would retain their control over state houses. And he said that, um, quote, the 2022 midterm elections for the House and Senate are now about the continuation of democracy itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I would just add that, you know, if Republicans gain control of Congress in January 2024, then I bet you they will absolutely go ahead and take the majority of congressional uh, delegations and they will uh, and, and do that thing that they like to do, which is overturn the will of the people and have state legislatures do it as well. Well, you're saying 2024, but 2022 in 2022 and then again in 2024 so in 2022 they would establish and entrench themselves in permanent minority control and then in 2024 they'll take that and refuse to certify the congress the uh, presidential election what what uh what very quickly i got a couple of other quick points i want to hit here before we get out uh heather uh what do we make what should we make of this elise stefanik if anything this once moderate new york Congresswoman who's, who looks likely now to take Cheney's spot as conference chair. Is she emblematic of what the party has now become, or is she just an opportunist, or frankly, are those both the same things? They're both the same things, <laughs> and she does embody that. I mean, she is the perfect representation of what the Republican Party is right now. You know, she is, she's a, she's a young woman in a hurry. She has been from the, from the beginning, very, very, um, you know, canny politician who sort of sees which way the wind is blowing and moves in that direction. And her, it, you know, it, it, the truth is, is that her district did move to Donald Trump. It started off as, it's been Republican for decades, but it was kind of one of those moderate northeastern, mm-hmm. you know, Republican districts. Well, mm-hmm. they took a shine to Donald Trump up there, apparently, and they went with him big mm-hmm. in um subsequent elections and she has gone with them and is of course that that coincides nicely with her you know obvious opportunism and desire to be a national political figure which which she is and I have a feeling though yeah. that she's going to get stomped on there are some right wingers in that I mean they're going to let her oh, have yeah. this they're- job but she's not going to last. I, I don't think she knows what she's coming up with. They are going to chew right. her up and spit her out. They are already attacking her because, I mean, she, you know, her record, uh, you know, she's voted against a whole bunch of Trump stuff that Liz Cheney voted in favor. She voted against the uh, the 2017 tax cuts, for exactly. crying out loud. Well, I think it's actually more than that. She's taking a leadership spot that she doesn't deserve. Yeah. And, you know, they had to put a woman in there, right? I mean, that was just, you know, a given. And there are other, there aren't, a, there isn't a huge number of <laughs> of women, you know, re- re- Republican women in yeah. the House. But there are some yeah. that they could have put in that job. 
that have a more conservative record and that would be, you know, they would feel deserved the job. She, you know, jumped the line. And I don't think these Republican, you know, wingnuts, <laughs> they're not happy about it. I mean, they're letting it happen right. for obvious reasons. And mainly because it's Donald Trump who endorsed her. Right. I don't think she'd have a chance if it wasn't that, you know, dear leader stepped in and said, this is who I want. And yeah. McCarthy, his good, you know, dancing fool, you know, went along with it. Um, I don't think she'd have a chance, but because he did, well, that's where they're at right which, now. Just... Which underscores, by the way, that there is no such thing anymore as conservative policies. No, no, None no. of it matters. Zero. There's no such thing as policies with them. Right. Well, either way, it is not a party, it is not a governing uh, you know, organization. <laughs> it doesn't have, it, and you look, look at, the, at the term during, during Donald Trump's term. What, what did they really do? Nothing. They, they confirmed judges. They passed their tax cuts. They tried to pass the Obamacare repeal. That was it. Yep. They didn't get anything done. No. I mean, they had two years. They could have been pushing through all kinds of stuff, and they didn't bother. So they don't, they're not a governing party anymore. This is purely politics. Let me, it's all politics. Let me, uh, two quick questions, sort of related here. Uh, first one is short and easy. Uh, Mitt Romney uh, had actually, I think, a great tweet. Uh, you probably saw it. He said, expelling Liz Cheney from leadership won't gain the GOP one additional voter, but it will cost us quite a few. Is he right about that? I think it's possible. Yeah. I do. I mean, I don't know how many, but margins count in these close elections. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a good move for them. I, it's hard for me to imagine that it is, considering what we know about the last election. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was close. And uh, finally, uh, moving on from the uh, GOP's uh, cancel culture, canceling Liz Cheney here, uh, why is a healthy, productive, not insane Republican Party important? And I suspect there, because there's probably a lot of Democrats and progressives, you know, munching on their popcorn today, watching all of this with a lot of glee, but I have long warned about this i've worried about it uh about this long road to nowhere that the gop has been on is it important for the nation for there to be a healthy republican party or at least a healthy alternative to the democratic party and why and you you get about 30 seconds yeah sure. <laughs> of course it is i mean you know and not because i have any respect for their position in you know in, on the political spectrum i'm mm -hmm. a liberal i always have been and so I, I don't care about anything like that but it is important to have you know, some kind of, of debate among people who who have the same, um, you know, respect for the Constitution, democracy, who are kind of observing the same sort of reverence for the good health of our government and our country. Uh, that is not what this Republican Party is, and it's leading towards something really unhealthy. I mean, that's a good word to use in mm -hmm. this instance. And that unhealthiness, um, is could very well take us down a road that we will very much regret. Um, this is this is bad news. It's not good, and you know it's fun to laugh and fun to eat our popcorn and everything. But I think we sh we have to take it seriously. This isn't this is so abnormal. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know this is new territory, and we need to be alert uh, yeah. to all this stuff that's happening. By the way, can I just say one thing? Yeah. Uh, Kevin McCarthy said uh, at the White House today, I don't think anybody's questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. What he did? <laughs> yeah. Oh Lord! It really? 
<laughs> he did. He came out and stood in front of the White House and actually said those. Oh. I just quoted him. Oh I don't God. think anybody's questioning the legitimacy no. of the presidential election. No. Yeah, no, <laughs> nobody. I don't know. Where who? Would, where would you get that where idea? Where is this coming from? Where huh? would you, actually, the, the fun thing is when they're asked, you know, when some of the, uh, you know, A, I don't think these guys should be brought on the air at all. And, you know, Jake Tapper at CNN has been making that point, and correctly so, uh, you know, if they're going to come on and, and lie and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, the the line that I've seen is uh, they'll uh, some, some of these journalists will ask th- these Republicans, you know, is uh, uh, Joe Biden uh, legitimately constitutionally elected the president? And they'll say Joe Biden is the president. Yes, of course. He is the president. No, but was he legitimately elected fair and square in an election? Well, he is the president. I don't even know why we're talking about this. So they won't (laughs) say that he was legitimately elected, just that he is the president. So watch for that little distinction. Absolutely. It is there, and they do it all the time. (sighs) Speaking of which, let's just say that if we want to know who is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election, How about Donald Trump, who said on his blog this week, the most tainted and corrupt election in American history, 2020. So there you have it. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't think anybody's questioning the legitimacy of the election. <laughs> Where's that? Where? What is wrong with you people? Where it's would crazy crazy media? All right, <laughs> Heather Digby, pardon. Always great uh, talking to you. Thank you, and and I really do appreciate you ju- uh, jumping in here because yeah, I do think this is bigger than internus in politics. Something is going on here that really matters and oh, is yes. really important. Yes. So I I thought it was worth uh, hashing out today. Heather My Digby. Pleasure. Heather Digby. Barton can be found, of course, at Salon.com and at her own blog, Hullabaloo, which you can find at Digby'sBlog.net and also on the Twitters at Digby56 for some reason. Heather, always great uh, speaking with you. Look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet. Okay, quick break, and we are back. We have actually some uh, some breaking news while I was talking to Heather, but yep. don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> this is actually... Some pretty good breaking news for a happy change. That's ahead, and we will see if we can track down that. Des, do you think we can find that uh, Kevin McCarthy I'll give it a shot. clip? All right, uh, that's ahead on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever. If you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via brandblog.com donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. But the fool on the Sees the sun going down And the eyes in his head See the world spinning round This guy really is a fool <laughs> on Capitol Hill. Uh, you were able to find this clip, were you? Yes, well, uh, a little bit of quick work. Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from brandblog.com. Uh, thanks again to Heather Digby Parton and mentioning. So uh, so Joe Biden, I guess, was at the White House today meeting with the uh, leaders on Capitol Hill. 
to uh, talk about infrastructure. Talk about infrastructure. To attempt to try to find something, anything that the Republicans might be able to be willing to to support. To agree with. So he met with uh, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, Minority Leader Mitch McConnell from the Senate, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, and apparently Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy, super genius, hmm. just, uh, I guess, an hour or two after they had voted to remove uh, Liz Cheney from her leadership position. And in fact, uh, Heather was right. Some uh, reporter asked uh, uh, McCarthy about it and uh, about the fact that she, I guess she was removed because she r- refuses to believe the big lie that Donald Trump and the Republicans insist that he actually won the election, that it was actually stolen from him, and Kevin McCarthy had this to say. Well, first of all, the conference will decide, but I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today. Um, So from that point of view, I don't think that's a problem. What? What? The legitimate? Nobody is questioning the legitimacy of the president? (laughs) And then, of course, you notice he says, we're sitting here today with him. Because he is the president, which is what I yeah, talked about. Yeah, it's that, that same Weasley words that they try yeah. to use to make it sound like, yeah. you're asking me, if is Biden president today? It's like, no, idiot. Everybody knows Biden is president today. We're talking about whether he was legitimately elected and why you won't admit it. Right, exactly. So, yeah, I guess that's what he said, because uh, either he thinks we're stupid or he is really stupid. Got a got a vote on that, Des? <laughs> I would say he is not the uh, the brightest bulb in the pack. Not the brightest bulb in the uh, congressional leadership. Exactly. Uh, all right. Uh, so there you go. Thanks again, Heather. Um, on our previous broadcast, real quick, we we spent some time talking about the ransomware attack on the Colonial Pipeline, and we've got some uh, breaking news on that. Of course, the Colonial Pipeline runs more than five thousand miles from Texas all the way up to New Jersey, supplying about half of the gas and jet fuel and diesel fuel. Uh, for the entire eastern seaboard. And I mentioned briefly in passing, as I was covering that on our previous show during my introduction to the story, the ongoing ransomware attack that is also going on against the D.C. Metropolitan Police Department, incredibly enough. I noted that this uh, the group claiming responsibility for that th- this hack, had th- they've stolen about 250 gigabytes of information from the MPD's computer network. And they're demanding apparently about four million dollars or they're going to release a whole bunch of this information. The group had uh, posted chats on Tuesday, supposedly between them and negotiators for the department, uh, with the department offering one hundred thousand dollars to the hackers, according to the, the, the conversations that they the group posted. Uh, and they said that is, quote, unacceptable from our side. And with that, they threatened to release documents that would detail police informants, very sensitive information that could put those people at serious risk. Uh, And they uh, appear to be, these hackers, quite serious about this. According to a late update uh, last night from both CNN and Washington Post and some others uh, who report that the hackers, a group believed to be from uh, Russia or another former Soviet state calling themselves Babuk, have published personnel files of officers that reveals uh, sensitive information. This is not yet, anyway, the, uh, the informant's 
files, but this is information on police officers themselves. The group, uh, as noted, has also threatened to reveal these additional documents, including uh, from criminal investigations, secret uh, secret informants, gang members, if the district does not pay it the uh, ransom that it's demanding. Uh, The group posted a password-protected file that it said contained these documents. They wrote in in their latest message to police, quote, you still have the ability to stop it uh, after they had posted a password protected file with these documents in it. Now, as of Tuesday night, the group had not posted the password to that file yet, but city officials have confirmed that personnel files uh, were, in fact, made public by the group and that they were genuine. And they warned uh, more than thirty six hundred officers that their personal information had been compromised. They advised them to put fraud alerts on their accounts. Yes, I think it included their social security numbers. Oh, yeah. Includes much more than that, unfortunately. Uh, The group said that, uh, quote, if during tomorrow they do not raise the price, we will release all the data. So far, at least as of airtime, I don't believe they have done so. The Metropolitan Police Department confirmed, however, on Wednesday that the stolen information that that some stolen information was released, though not yet the bigger file with the informants names, etc. The MPD said in a statement on Wednesday, yesterday, approximately 20 members information was released through the access obtained from MPD's network by unauthorized parties. Additionally, Chief Conti sent an email last week to all MPD members with instructions on how to sign up for credit monitoring service and uh, said there is no further information available at this time. Officials also said that they had stopped further theft of data by the group, though it appears that Babook already had stolen a trove of documents. The files the hacking group has released thus far are those generated, uh, according to Washington Post, when officers applied to the force. Each one contains hundreds of pages and includes results of polygraph tests, Mm. financial information, home addresses, medical histories, Mm. interviews with character references, and criminal background checks. The group also claims, uh, of course, to have these uh, even more sensitive files that could expose uh, confidential informants, files with titles such as known shooters, most violent person, rap feuds, gang conflict report, and strategic crime briefings. So that's ahead. No, that is not the good breaking news that I mentioned. The good breaking news that I mentioned is on the Colonial Pipeline. Apparently operators uh, of the largest U.S. fuel pipeline have now said that they are restarting operations after being shut down for five days due to the cyber attack. The shutdown, uh, as you may have heard, led to widespread gasoline shortages. I should say panic buying, right? Yeah, it was not really. really... There was no gasoline shortage. It was entirely driven by people panic buying and attempting to hoard and it drove uh, the prices up yes, in the it bargain. Did. Funny how that worked out. The oil companies get hacked and they make extra money on it. Yes. Mm. 
I'm not saying a false flag attack. I'm just pointing this out. That they benefit from this Yeah, they do. Uh, The company, however, said in a statement on its website within the past hour, uh, quote, Colonial Pipeline initiated the restart of pipeline operations today at approximately 5 p.m. Eastern time. Following this restart, they said it will take several days for the product delivery supply chain to return to normal. In its uh, statement, the company thanked the White House, the FBI, and various U.S. agencies for its help in dealing with the attack. Uh, In remarks on Monday, uh, President Biden had said that it appeared the group believed responsible for the attack, calling themselves Dark Side, had operated in, uh, in Russia. And though the attack was not directed by the Russian government, Biden said, quote, they have some responsibility to deal with this. Apparently in uh, Russia, as long as the hackers don't go after Russia itself, they have pretty much free reign to do what they want. Now, there is, uh, at least as of right now, no word so far if the company, Colonial Pipeline, actually paid any ransom to the hackers or if they were somehow able to get their systems back up and running without doing so. We spoke at uh, some length with cybersecurity journalist Kim Zetter on our previous broadcast who said, yeah, these uh, ransomware folks make a lot of money because a lot of these companies find that it is cheaper, essentially, to pay them off than it would be to you know, have to restore the entire network from, from backups and, and so forth. So we don't know what yet happened here, um, but it very well could be. They paid them off. Don't know. Yeah, we won't know probably for a while, if at all. But yeah, a lot of these companies um, are not able to withstand being offline for a month or more, especially if you're a critical system like a hospital, for example. Right. Uh, Or if you're part of critical infrastructure like our fossil fuel systems for the entire East Coast. Which, by the way, most of those are privately owned. So there's not a whole lot that the federal government can do except suggest voluntary things that these private corporations can do to increase their cybersecurity. Well. Well, if that's going to cost the money, why would they do it? All right, we got to go. We'll keep our eyes on that story, of course. And uh, we thank you for joining us today. We thank, of course, I thank, of course, my producer, Desi Doyen, <laughs> as always. Thank you very much. Our guest, uh, Salon and Hullabaloo's Heather Digby-Parton. And my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is always Appreciate it. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it for free. Yes, it's all free. We don't charge you for anything. Although we do ask that you consider stopping by bradblog.com slash donate to help us stay on your public airwaves. We are completely 100% listener supported, so we don't have to take any crap from anybody but you. That includes the Colonial Pipeline. We don't have to take any crap from them either. You can drop me email if you like. I am Bradcast at bradblog.com, and on the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Brad Blog. I'll see you there until we see you here next time, hopefully tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.